Hello, and welcome to Thrive, a podcast that gives you strategies and inspiration to help you live your best life. Learn from us, two cancer survivors, as we show you how we don't just survive, but thrive. Hi, I'm Garth Callahan. I am a seven-time cancer survivor, but more importantly, I've been writing notes to my daughter, Emma, and sticking them into her lunch ever since kindergarten. Hi, I'm Dara, creator of crazyperfectlife.com, a place to go to help you find meaning each day and author of the book Crush Cancer, available on Amazon. I have an awesome, awesome guest today. His name is Alex Sheen. He is the founder of Because I Said I Would, which is a nonprofit organization which is geared towards helping people make and keep promises. I'll do this quick introduction to Alex only because I first read about him in an in-flight magazine, I was flying on Southwest. It was my first time ever flying on Southwest. Imagine that, right? So I've never been on this airline before, and I must have been so bored to pull out the in-flight magazine. I'm reading through, and the title of this article just, it caught my eye. And for those of you who listen to the Thrive podcast, you know that I'm a geek, and I love Star Wars and lightsabers and, and Marvel and everything geeky like that. And so the title of the article was Everyday Action Hero. And I thought back to the days of when I was 10 years old and Star Wars had just been out for a couple of years and I was playing with my little Star Wars dolls and, you know, recreating the movie on the floor of my bedroom. And I thought, oh, this is a cool article. I should take a look at it. If you look online and you see the picture of Alex, he's holding out this business card in front of him and he has this really like serious look on his face. And if you imagine that there are like explosions behind him and he's walking away from those explosions, that, that typical action scene in a movie like that, it's a perfect setting. But the article was nothing like that at all. It was so much more. I read through the article. It was multiple pages. And I kept flipping and reading and reading. And I got so drawn into his story that I started to apply what was going on in the story to my own personal situation at the time. And by the end of the article, I'm sitting in the middle seat. Thank goodness there were no other people around me. And I was just in tears. I was so emotionally drawn in and moved to what was going on that I had to do something on my own, which is a completely separate story and not why we're here today. But I am so honored to have Alex on our show and welcome, Alex. Hey, how's it going, Garth? I'm so well. I'm so happy to, to chat with you this morning and talk with you and, and see you in person even, or I guess as in person as virtual as can get. So one of the big reasons why we've asked Alex on is that he has a book coming out. You know, I, I can only imagine how impactful this book is going to be, but I really want Alex to kind of walk us through what's going on with Because I Said I Would. Why does this organization have such pull and I, I guess captivation over something as what most people consider to be a simple promise. So Alex, again, welcome. And I'd love to hear about what's going on with Because I Said I Would. Yeah, you know, you mentioned this thought of the draw that our organization has been so lucky to have. And I, I really think it just comes down to this thought that a lot of people, they don't keep their promises anymore. And at first, it just sounds something to be frustrated about or something to, to post about on social media, about frustration with X, Y, or Z, but it actually ha it has a deep cost to society. We may center our frustrations and broken promises around, you know, someone says they're going to, you know, come to your house party and they don't. They, someone says that they're going to show up and they don't. I mean, little things, certainly, they have their place on why we might be upset. But think about something like New Year's resolution, right? You know, 40% of all Americans say that they've made a New Year's resolution and only 
of that population, only about 8% fulfilled their New Year's resolution, according to the University of Scranton in Pennsylvania. So um, Alex, why yeah. do you think, why do people not keep their promises? Yeah. You know, a, a lot of people look at even because they said a word or thought of keeping promises and they say it's simple, right? They say, I like it. It's straightforward. Just do what you say you're going to do. Well, if it was so simple, then everybody would do it. You know, it's not simple. I, I feel that it's a combination of things. A couple of those elements involve not only the psychology of self-control, but things like time management and, and also even something like the courage of no. Yes, that is such a beautiful point. The courage of no. I love that. Yeah, yeah. a lot of people here in a conversation, they just struggle with looking at somebody in the face and saying in a polite way, but still at the end of the day saying, no, I I can or won't. I, I want to, that. but yeah. I just can't. Yeah. 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 We talk about that a lot on this podcast. I was really fortunate enough a couple of years ago to attend a chapter meeting in Tampa. The topic that night was how to make a good promise. That was something that hit really hard to me because it's easy to almost say, hey, I'm, I promise to do this. But if you don't have the right management of the promise, the right expectations, if you're making a promise that's too big for you to keep or a promise that would be impossible or even a promise that is is very unspecific or undefined, mm. you're setting yourself up for failure. Yeah. And, well, and it's I, kind of like that saying a goal without a plan is a wish. So if you're making a promise and you don't know exactly how you're going to fulfill it, it's not going to happen. Yeah, we, we have a concept called the life of a promise uh, because I said I would. It really is like the five phases, the life cycle that a promise goes through. And in two of those phases, it, it goes in the order of contemplation and communication. Obviously, pretty simple thing, but you should, before you commit to something, you should think about its feasibility. You should check your calendar if you're available that day. Do you have the resources? Do you have the skills? But often we, we get that order of operations wrong. We just say, oh yeah, I'll do it. And then we think, wait, am I available that day? Or we will, because of that breakdown, we'll make promises that reach a point of no return, that reach a point of being broken the second we make the promise. Because it was never feasible to begin with. And, and that has its, uh, its role in a lot of, of broken commitments. When I was a little girl, I had a family member who was part of our extended family, but she would make these amazing promises to me and she would not keep them. And I would get my hopes. I would get so excited and I would get my hopes up and it just wouldn't happen. And I know now as an adult, she only had good intentions. It wasn't coming from a place of malice. It just wasn't going to happen. Yeah. And so when I had my daughters, that was one thing that I've always been really aware of is trying to make promises that I really can keep because I remember what it feels like to be let down and to get so excited about something and then to have it not happen. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right because we do have good intentions, right? We we make promises with good intentions, but at the end of the day, good intentions and four dollars buys you a cup of coffee. <laughs> you know, it's not enough, and um, it's the best start, though. In fact, I mean, a lot of what because I said I would as a nonprofit and a social movement, we want to make sure that people do have good intentions. So I don't want to play it down too much. If it starts and stops there then nothing has really been accomplished. And I think to a certain extent, our society has morphed to a point where um, we we made promises, we failed, people stop at that point. That's not really the best solution, right? No. So the, the best solution would be, okay, figure out why you failed mm -hmm. and, and make another promise, but don't, you know, 
set yourself up for success. Don't stop at that failure point. And I'll say as a, as a dad and, and after I was introduced to, because I said I would, I started being really stingy with my promises. If I was going to say something like, I promise to do this, it was serious. I became the dad who was known as never missing one of Emma's softball games. Mm -hmm. Because that was a promise I knew that I had to keep. And I arranged all of my schedules around that. It was, in fact, a simple promise, but it was also something that I knew was important for my daughter. I just fetched Emma from, from school last night. And, you know, I'll be honest, it was the end of the day. I didn't mm -hmm. want to drive a four, four and a half hour round trip. I was, I was kind of tired and wiped out by the time I got back. But one of the promises I made to Emma back when she was in a, an early teen was, I will always come get you. And that meant whether you had a flat tire or you had been out and there was the driver that you were with maybe uh, drank something at a party and shouldn't have been and whatever. It's simple. I will always come get you. So if you call, I'm there. Garth, as someone who knows you really well, I have noticed that you really do make promises very carefully and you are 100% committed to doing what you say you're going to do. It's rubbed off on me. So Alex, you have such a vast impact on people's lives. I hope that you know that because it's truly amazing how being aware of doing what you say you're going to do really impacts your life and the lives of those around you completely. So I have a question about the promises that we make to ourselves mm -hmm. versus the promises we make to other people. Mm -hmm. And I'm interested to know kind of what you found. Do people, are they more likely to not follow through in one group versus the other? Or mm -hmm. I, I'm just curious about that. Yeah. So there's an interesting, perhaps biological reason why we keep our promises better to other people. And it's somewhat of a simple one. It really centers around the thought that humans are pretty soft. I mean, like not durable. We need each other. We are a packed animal. We need each other to survive. And in the thought of that, imagine a tribe thousands of years ago or even more, and you are interacting with each other. But if you do something that doesn't gel with that tribe, if it's atrocious enough, they will kick you out. They mm -hmm. banish you from being a part of us. And what is more likely to happen in that scenario? Well, it's more likely that something happens. You break a leg. You, you get in a situation where you need other people to help you to survive, and you simply do not have that support anymore. I believe that almost from a biological perspective, that then becomes ingrained into us where I need to make sure that I say and do things and follow through on that because if I don't, I'm going to be held accountable in a way that pushes me out and affects my survival. This is actually one of the theories behind why people are so afraid of public speaking. Like there is really no reason in today's age why we should have such a fear to the point where we list it as a number one fear. Like death is number two. Public speaking is number one. They believe it's similar. It's like I cannot affect my reputation with the entire tribe in one moment. The stakes are too high, and so I should have a fear of that. Well, that's why I believe that promises made to yourself are so much harder to keep than promises you make to others. We are just naturally more inclined 
to hold ourselves accountable to a higher level, to have motivations that we may not even fully understand or think of explicitly, they are there. And so even in those small promises where you might tell yourself, hey, I'm going to wake up and go to the gym, I recommend if you're struggling with things like that in the morning, just the day before, tell somebody else, almost arbitrarily. It's not like they're your accountability buddy and they're going to meet you there. Post it to social media, text somebody, and even research from the Dominican University of California from Dr. Gail Matthews suggests that you will increase the likelihood of you keeping a promise simply by telling someone else or writing it down. So, I, you know, the, the science behind it isn't perfect, but it seems pretty straightforward. So I imagine that you make promises to yourself. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious as to if you ever have any challenges in keeping the promises that you make to yourself. Oh, absolutely. The only way to keep all your promises uh, is to not make any. And, <laughs> and that's because that's because things do happen. You know, your self-control wanes. Uh, you forget. You know, the fallibility of human memory is a huge reason for many broken promises. Um, there are a lot of struggles that come with that. And I think that... You know, when we look at, because I said I would, uh, as an organization or, or the book that's coming out, it really is, at first, when this all started, and, and Garth knows me from near that time, I really was like, am I the person to do this? I mean, the social media has picked me, uh, meaning like the fact that it went viral and I have to do something with this in a positive way in honor of my father and all these promises that people are making. But I don't know if I was born to be this so-called leader because I said I would. And I still struggle with some of the pressure and responsibility. But one thing I do think that lined up was the fact that I was so bad with my promises before because I said I would started that I had to learn very firsthand many of the habits and tactics that add up to a person of their word. It wasn't perhaps like my father or many other people in our cause that just they just do it maybe they were born with the self-control or they just like to calendar or they know how to to do these things but i i didn't and i empathize deeply with those who struggle to keep their promises because i was once there and then even today when you're the guy who wears this shirt all the time and you're the founder because i said it would if you were even five minutes late to anything People will look at you funny and they may not say it, but you know what you're, they're thinking. You don't show up or you accidentally don't send an email, you're going to get an email back scathing you for the hypocrite that you are. And it doesn't matter. Honest mistakes don't count. And no one cares about that when it comes to uh, many conversations with me. And I, I accept that because it is what it is, you know, but it's it, it has its challenges. Thank you for being honest about that because, you know, I think we're all human and we're doing the best we can and sometimes we feel like we aren't good enough. And so mm-hmm. we all struggle with making promises to ourselves, especially now that it's the beginning of the new year. And like you said, 40% of people have made New Year's resolutions, but I think you said 8% are going to keep them. Mm-hmm. I remember last year, I was the lecturer for my Knights of Columbus group. We're a mm-hmm. group of about 300, 320 men that really all we do is a lot of volunteer work. Whether it's making the spaghetti supper for our church or directing traffic at a Down syndrome walk, we really just exist to volunteer. And every meeting, I had to give a little three-minute talk. I don't know what was going on, but I was I was kind of running dry 
I had been doing it for a couple of years and I was running you, out of ideas. You running dry? I, I really <laughs> was. I, I, I was because, you know, these it's a hard group of, of men to talk to. I was one of the youngest men in the room and these guys have lifetimes worth of experience, way more than me. The February meeting came around and I thought, oh, I've got a perfect thing to talk about. And so I, I basically, I just stood up and I said, hey, you know, it's it's February, whatever. And, you know, at this point, 93% of you have already broken or forgotten your New Year's resolution. And then I played one of Alex's videos and I sat down. Oh, <laughs> beautiful, though. Um, yeah, your videos are so impactful. I was watching one last night and I love just all of the amazing things that you have done because you said you would. Would you be willing to share with us some of your cool 2019 things that you are going to do because you said you would? Yeah, you know, in the past with New Year's resolutions, I've volunteered 52 different nonprofits, one each week in a year. Uh, other promises walked across Ohio for the three women who were held captive in Cleveland for 10 years. One of my big commitments now, and it's just been that way, is I've given 100% of my speaking engagement fees as well as 100% of all proceeds of the book to Because I Said I Would. And so I give about a million dollars a year to the organization. I make as much as a kindergarten teacher. And, and uh, I think one of the harder parts of whatever role I have fallen into is that I have set an expectation that there is always something new, you know? True. And I feel that this is the pressure that most people feel in, in a different way, right? Well, what's new for this year? Well, how about last year? You know, did you finish that? When you look at uh, some of the programs that we've created, character education programming's programming in school, so teaching concepts like honesty, self-control, accountability in the classroom. When you look at our chapters and programs in, in prisons and in corrections, you know, when we're growing um, even this work in the country of Panama in Central America, you know, I want to make sure that it's not always about what's shiny and what gets a bunch of likes and views in, you know, down that path. And I know that a lot of humanitarian good doesn't necessarily come from that approach of big promises that might capture someone's attention, but what are we actually doing to help people on a larger scale? So I'm really committed to chapters in 2019, very excited for our work in prisons. I think character development is something that is, is very strongly needed in this area. There aren't budgets for it. It isn't the focus, it's three hots in a cot and people, the way they're treated in prison, I understand that they have done terrible things and I believe very deeply in accountability. So don't get me wrong, but at the same point, these people are gonna get out and they're gonna walk down the street right next to Emma, right next to me, right next to you. And I want them to be the best version of themselves after they've taken the accountability that comes with the, the heinous crimes that they have committed. And so the work in these areas are really important to me and, and that's what I'm focused on in 2019. And that's where 100% of, of what the book generates will help fuel. I love everything about what you just said. It's amazing. Thank you. You know, well, it's, it's, it's hard work. Well, and, and if you think about the percentage of population that the United States has in prisons and prison for most of us uh, is is locking that person up. Mm -hmm. It's not, hey, how do we how do we help this person become their best self after they've served their time? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, it, it left to our own devices, we're just going to go back to the habits that we knew five years ago. Because no, I, I, Garth, I'll take it a step further. You, it'll get worse because you're putting yeah. you're putting offenders in with other offenders. It's an environment 
to not only continue the attitude, it is an environment to make it worse. The cause and effect, the theory of change behind prison is not a complete one. It is not one that actually works. Prison could actually do worse for society. Have you seen the the documentary 13 on Netflix? I have not yet, no. Oh my goodness. I haven't either. You both really need to watch it. It's really heavy and heart wrenching, and you will, it's kind of in line with what we're talking about now. And it talks a lot about inequality that is going on in that environment and just the patterns and how to break those patterns and exactly what you're saying, how to give people the the skills and the tools to help them when they get out. Mm -hmm. Because now what? Now what's going to happen? I think you would really like watching that documentary. Awesome. I love how something so simple as Because I Said I Would has become this incredible, beautiful movement that has really impacted so many people from around the world. Will you share with us a couple of your favorite stories of maybe some of the interactions you've had with people? I'm looking at my favorite story right now. Yeah, Garth Callahan, right? I have told that story live to at least, I would say 400,000 people. Um, (laughs) All right. So it's, it's been a couple of episodes on the thrive podcast since I teared up. Oh, Uh, so in a while, you're right. You know, um, Lisa and I, we were fortunate enough to volunteer for Alex. One time he came into Richmond to talk to some educators. I have to admit it was incredibly like I felt disembodied when I was standing there at the volunteer table selling bracelets and stickers and whatnot. And and Alex started talking about me. I don't feel like, I don't know. I'll just, I'll let Alex go on because I have to admit, I'm still blown away by these disposable little pieces of paper that I I write. And, you know, Emma's a freshman in college and I'm still writing her notes. I I don't ever want to stop. And you mentioned this word before, honesty, Dara, that I'm, almost maybe too honest to the point. There's a, there's a quote that uh, people like honesty until you're honest with them, you know? <laughs> yes. This is the truth. The reason why 826 napkin notes resonates with me and so many people around the world in, in so many different languages is because anybody can do it. It actually, in many ways, is not incredible. And I mean that in the best ways because the types of things that human beings are capable of doing to be a parent for their child, to volunteer, they are so within our grasp to do. As 826 napkin notes is in my grasp to do. But whether or not we're going to do it is the chasm that many people cannot cross. It is not a matter of ability or born with this or money or whatever. That's what napkin notes and that type of, of guidance to a child, that's what it represents to me. Because quite frankly, I I get, a, um, like, I, you know, I walked across Ohio in 10 days and blah, blah, blah. Does that actually even matter? I mean, uh, climbing Everest and rowing across the ocean, if it generates money for charity, I get it. There's a means to an end. I understand. But the act in itself is it doesn't really do much of anything. And I like things that actually do something, and it's not just a spectacle. Those are the promises in our movement, in our book, that I hope uh, push people towards something in their own life. Because if we can't relate to it 
and it's just this mythical person who it's like let's I don't even know what to do with that story um but I know what to do with napkin notes if it's you know someone that has like a team of 30 working behind them, helping them, making sure they are looking the way they look on social media versus a dad who cares so much about his daughter that he is committed and consistent about doing what he said he was going to do and that we can all relate to. Yeah. One of the things that I, I've said this from the very beginning, the biggest reason why I wanted to share what I did before school every day was I, I just wanted to inspire other dads to write notes to their kids. And one of the most gratifying things that happens to me is when I wake up in the morning and somebody has sent me an email or shot me a message somehow and said, Hey, you know, I heard about your story and, and I wrote a note to my child today. I respond almost consistently with the same answer, which is don't forget about tomorrow. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I love the fact that it's so simple and it really, you know, kids just love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the, the other thing that I like about, about napkin notes besides its actionability is like, listen, I didn't come up with promises and you didn't come up with napkin notes, right? right? We just yeah. did it, you know? And, and that's, I think a lot about what life is. It's really not always about original, ideas or this is a first time ever everyone looks for this magic bullet on what it takes to help other people or improve themselves and and a lot of it's just like it's it's not some new diet or thing it's just doing what's in front of us and why can't that just be enough you know i, I don't know it's so simple and i think we as humans we forget that sometimes simple is actually the best mm -hmm. we, we make our lives so much harder than they have to be Right. We, we overcomplicate things. We try to make things incrementally better instead of just going with something that works. I mean, and, and look, I'll, I'll, I'm brutally honest about this. The reason why this opportunity even existed was that I decided way back in kindergarten that Emma wasn't going to buy school lunch, that mm -hmm. it was our jobs as parents to provide her something that was better quality and more nutritious than what the school could give her. Mm -hmm. And and that was, that was more of a, you know, trying to keep things simple as opposed to giving Emma that extra choice of, do you eat the chicken patty on the bun, which may or may not be real chicken. I know it's just, we wanted things to be a little bit slower and that purposeful act of every morning, we had to think about what do we cut up? What do we put into the baggies? What do we put into the lunch? The notes just became an extension of that. I love, even today when I'm writing the notes, I find that that act of taking 30 seconds or 60 seconds out of my day and thinking about what I should say to Emma that could be meaningful to her that day, that changes me just as much as I hope that it changes her. When we give to others, we're helping them, but we're also helping ourselves every time. It's such a mutually beneficial experience for everyone involved. Again, you know, in full light of honesty, I'm, I'm having a really difficult time with Emma being at college because the notes aren't every day. I write out notes in batches and leave them with her at college. But I'm what I find is that I'm writing these notes in, you know, 15, 20, 30 minutes at a time. 
And then I go a few weeks until I have to write more notes. And I'm, I'm really struggling with that because I don't get that same contact and that same purposefulness every day. I, I need to figure this out. Uh, but but you, we're all... could do one, you could do one every day before you started your day or around the same time that you had been doing them. And you could just put it in the pile. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you yeah, could do that. yeah. We're just, you know, we're all, all three of us are still figuring this college thing yeah. out. Man, yeah. it, it, yeah. it came on like a surprise, like you wouldn't imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one, one of the things that I find myself in these moments uh, of where I can't, the motivation doesn't feel right. I've really tried to get away from even wanting or needing that to do things. And, and I'll, I'll color that a little bit with how I felt my father was. It, my dad was not a like wake up at six with a cold shower and play like 80s metal music to get him up and running. And, you know, like he's he wasn't like, Alex, you can do it. And it's limiting belief. My father would never say anything like that ever. What my father could do was drag himself through things that he didn't like. It's not that he wanted. I bet you you want to go to Emma's games. It's, my dad did not want to go to my games, but he did it because <laughs> he said it. He want. He he knew that that's what a good father would do. That it would show support. And he didn't even go to all my games. He just went to the ones he said he was going to go to. You know, and he kept those those promises. My father did not need motivation. He was an immigrant to this country who had to work multiple jobs, who was all by himself, who was dirt poor, living with six other people in a house, waiting tables, double shifts. He got to the point in life where that thought of motivation wasn't a luxury. It wasn't even a thought. It was just like, this is my life. This is what I have to do to survive or to keep my promises or to whatever. And it was this level of what we call promise acceptance where it just, it is what it is. And, and one of the best examples or analogies is kids actually. So if you tell a kid you have to wake up at seven in the morning or 6.45 to go to school, they don't obviously wanna do that, but they do it every single day with this almost dead look on their face. They drag themselves through it and without a hitch, right? It just is what it is. But you ask them to do that same exact thing on Saturday (laughs) and all of a sudden the world is crumbling, right? It's literally the same thing though, like physically the same exact thing. And all that is, is acceptance. Do you accept what it is that you have to do? And can you live in a neutral place where it just is what it is? It's, that's just part of life. Doing this is part of my life. And I feel like while that, I wish that I had more motivational answers to to, to make it more fun, to make it more engaging, more purpose feeling. I have found that this peak high that people are looking for, or even just feeling better, it, it's just not sustainable and it's hard to achieve. And if we're gonna rely on almost that drug of that, that shot in the arm to do all the things we say we're gonna do, well, there's not enough of it out there to get it all accomplished. And so I feel that sometimes it's just, it is what it is. Well, I I can promise you that your dad is smiling down on you and is nothing but unbelievably proud of you, of what you've accomplished, of the man that you are. And so I hope that you carry that with you every single day as you navigate these waters, because what you're doing is beautiful. And I know with 100% certainty that he is so proud of you. Thank you for saying that. I very much appreciate it. Looking at it from that perspective, I can completely uh, understand, right? Because dads, dads love their kids unconditionally. And it is a rare thing to have unconditional love in this world. But I think that that's something that parents really can understand. 
I want to take a couple of quick minutes before we start to wrap up. I want Alex to talk about the book mm-hmm. and how he can, how people can get it. I also want to make an offer to the Thrive Podcast listeners. So uh, we will have in our show notes a link to a form where you can register and we will pick five random listeners and send them copies of the book uh, because we believe in it so much. And so I'm going to shut up about this and let Alex talk about the book and how it came to be and how you can get it. Yeah. Well, you know, the book is a collection of, of promise stories from our supporters. And, you know, Garth, you are certainly in it. But there, the, the opportunity for me, me to share the message, while we have reached, you know, millions of people around the world, I, I've never wrote a book. And one of the reasons why I didn't, uh, even with the offers that came in early on, is that I knew what happened when you went viral. Uh, when you went viral, someone looks at your stuff for the whole nation or whatever, a part of it just stares at it for like a day, and then something goes viral the next day and the next day. And really what humanitarian good comes out of and these emotional stories, for me at least, you know, like not that much, you know. So I didn't want people to see social media stories about our work and, and the promises our supporter make and then not do anything, not have an answer for them. When they said, what do I do now? I don't want to just say write a promise card, you know. So I squirreled away money for years to start uh, our character education programming in schools, to start our chapters of volunteers that make promises to help others in need. And I said, I'm not putting out a book until the last page of that book says, go do something this is what we do. This is how you can start a chapter in your area. This is how you can at least bring this message to your kid's school. This is how you can live it in your own life beyond just writing it on a piece of paper. And so I held off for what now amounts to six years to write the book and start writing about 18 months ago, knowing that our programs would be more developed in 18 months from that point so that the maturity of both would coincide in a way that was more actionable for readers. So that is why I firmly believe in the timing of our book now. I don't want it to just be a bunch of sad sounding stories and hopefully can help enable programming and, and things like that. So it's, it is a collection of short stories about the parts of character that keep promises. That's accountability. That's a self, that's self-control. That's sacrifice. It's honesty. And these different stories each tell a different life lesson. And it's something that can be used in character education programming to kick off discussions in leadership development opportunities that are pointed towards humanitarianism. Because sometimes it's hard to kick off a conversation and, and this book can can be that. Hopefully also just a, a read for, for anyone who's interested in trying to build their own self-control. But 100% of, of the proceeds are gonna go to Because I Said I Would, which is a 501c3 nonprofit charity. And I'm very proud to take the work of our supporters and continue to push it towards helping other people. Garth, for me, shared his story with us and the diagnosis that he received, the supporters, other supporters we have, like Colonel Parker Schenker, who lost both of his children, people who've walked across the entire country, all these people who have made sacrifices, I don't believe shared that with us so that we could just make money off of it. It has to go back to a cause to help others, and so it will. Mm, amazing. I love that. And, you know, I, I think it's interesting, Alex, he's bringing us to the end of our segments with the same way that we started, which is action, right? So that article that I first read about Alex, Everyday Action Hero, and the book is a call to action. I think that that's really, really important. That brings us to the napkin note, uh, the napkin note quote of the episode. For those of you who might be new to the Thrive podcast, uh, every episode we go back into the 
annals of all of the notes that I've written to Emma and I find one that is applicable. And to be honest, I had a really, really hard time on this one because there are so many notes that have really come about because of my relationship with Alex and what, how I believe in him. And so I, I literally had hundreds to choose from. And I decided to just go with something that was really simple, which is think big, start small, do something. Mm, that's beautiful. We also share a thriving tip on the podcast, and that is a little nugget of extra goodness that allows you to maybe make changes in your own life. And Alex, you've shared with us so much beautiful advice and information today. Can you um, share with us one last little thriving tip that listeners can carry with them? Me and Garth, before this all started, we're talking about video games. We're talking about superheroes. <laughs> we're talking about you know, some of the things that he, he and I both love. And I think we love those stories about superheroes for pretty obvious reasons, their character qualities and sacrifice to help others. The truth is there are no such thing as superheroes. It is only you and I here to change this world. 75.1% of all Americans do not volunteer an hour in an entire year. The capacity for you to change other people's lives to make a difference, it is ever present. And all you have to do is find a nonprofit close to you and volunteer. You can be someone's hero. Comic books are just stories, but volunteering can happen every day and it is real. So I encourage people to thrive in that way and help others through something that is accessible to all of us, volunteering. Beautifully said, beautifully. I, I love that. I think that's a perfect way to end this. We will make sure that everybody has access to this and in our show notes, we'll have links to all of Alex's social media and his ways to purchase the book. We would love if you wanted to make a promise and keep a promise help out Alex with his organization. It is incredibly worthwhile because of the way that it multiplies around the world. Thank you so much, Alex, for being here. It, it's such, I don't know, it, it warms my heart. It's the best way that I, I should have started the week out like this instead of ending the week out because it would have carried me for days. Yeah. Well, appreciate everyone's time. And I really, you know, thank you so much for sharing, you know, because I said I would and because I said I would dot com to, to get the book. It's good to see you, Garth. It's nice to meet you, Dara. And I, uh, I appreciate it again. Our pleasure. Uh, again, everyone, thanks for listening. I'm Garth Callahan, the Napkin Notes Dad. You can find out more about me at napkinnotesdad.com. Thanks so much for being here. I'm Dara, and you can check me out at crazyperfectlife.com. Thanks for listening. Thrive is created by Dara Kurtz of Crazy Perfect Life and Garth Callahan, the Napkin Notes Dad, with the hope that we help you develop motivation and inspiration to make your life remarkable. It would mean so much to us if you shared this with your friends and family and left us a review on iTunes. Remember, you deserve to thrive. Thrive Podcast is copyrighted by Dara and Garth.